Well, I introduced a series last week entitled Five to Thrive. That's catchy, amen. When we think about the Christian life, these five areas are critical with your personal walk with God. They are Bible, prayer, church, giving, witnessing. Five to thrive. If you're not doing those five areas, do not expect to thrive in your Christian life. For sure, we could add many things to the list. And to be clear, we're talking about after someone has been saved and followed the Lord in believer's baptism. We're talking about those who are in Christ, how you can thrive in your walk with God. Our text last week was 1 Thessalonians 4.1. Remember there, the Apostle Paul exhorted believers that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and please God, so ye would abound more and more. There is a walk which is pleasing to God. And in that walk, we are to be abounding more and more. You ought not reach a plateau in your Christian life where you say, well, I've arrived, that's it. This is as good as it gets. We're always growing. We're always moving forward. We should always be doing these five things along the way. We must understand that our mission in life is not to please man. And we know this is true, but sometimes we do get off track because we manifest a desire to please man over pleasing God. Many may give you a list. And on that list, they'll say, if you do these things, you'll have a better Christian life. And oftentimes, there's nothing wrong with that list. It's even a well-intentioned list. But often, the priority is off. The things of man seem to get elevated above what God says you ought to be doing. We don't even realize it, but we end up making man's list or our own list, the priority. I gave the example last week, how would I commonly see in someone's number one item on their list, they'll say something like, I just want to get victory over this sin in my life. And they feel if they can just get victory in this one area, I can start to thrive as a Christian. In their minds, the thought is, once I get victory, I'll be able to read my Bible more. I'll be able to be more faithful. I'll be able to be more effective. Because it's this sin that is hindering my Christian walk. But understand the mindset is backwards. God wants you to get victory. Amen. Amen. He died for that reason. But we don't get victory over sin, then go to the Bible. But we go to the Bible to get victory over sin. So we don't want to get the list all messed up. Even though the thought is, once I get victory, I'll be able to do better. Now, I don't want to preach last week's message again, so if you missed it, please go back and listen to it. Um, You'll understand my introductory thought more. For today, we're going to be in Psalm 19. Psalm 19. And we are considering the Bible. Five things. Bible, prayer, church, witnessing, giving. We're going to consider the first one today, the Bible. To make this point fully in one service is an impossibility. 
You cannot exhaust the Word of God, and we could spend forever doing a series on this. I actually did a series very soon after I became pastor a few years ago, try to emphasize the Bible's importance in our walk with God. Look with me, please, in verses 10 and 11 here of Psalm 19. It is speaking about the Word of God, which has just been discussed in verses 7 through 9, and it says in verse 10, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. The fact is, we could spend the rest of this service and probably go into tonight doing nothing but reading verses about what the Bible has to say about the Bible. There is so much that the Word of God says about itself. And I actually considered doing that. And then I figured you probably don't want to be here that long. Because that's how many verses are in the Bible about the Bible. The theme of the longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119, 176 verses. And with the exception of just a handful of those, all of them speak of the Word of God. The Bible, I'm going to condense it all for you. You ready? The Bible likens God's Word to a light and a lamp, as fire, as a hammer, as honey, as silver, as a sword, as incorruptible seed, as food, as water, as a mirror. And there's a lot more we could add to that, I'm sure. The Word of God is perfect. It converts the soul. It is sure in that it makes wise the simple. It is right in that it rejoices the heart. It is pure. It enlightens the eyes. It is true and it is righteous altogether. It is tried and it is sweet. It is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. It is written for our admonition. It warns. It quickens. It upholds us. It gives wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. The Bible orders our steps. It cleanses our ways. It can make our way prosperous and bring good success. It can make us like a tree planted by the rivers of water who is fruitful in their season. It establishes us. It rewards us. It blesses. It's powerful. The Bible stands forever. It endures forever. It is settled in heaven. It will be fulfilled. It cannot be broken. And it will not pass away. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. The Word of God is quick. It's powerful. It's sharp. It pierces. It divides. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It causes the heart to burn with excitement in those that are right with God. It brings hope. It gives strength. It gives assurance. It judges. It heals and it delivers. It calms our fears even though it is to be feared. God's Word brings faith. It leads a sinner to salvation in Christ. It makes one wise unto salvation. It will not return void. It is not bound. It runs swiftly. It accomplishes what God pleases. And it prospers wherever, wheresoever God sends it. We'll get it out. Amen. Stay with me. And all Scripture was given by inspiration of God by the Holy Ghost. 
The Lord gave the word and great was the company of those who published it. God has magnified His word above His name. Jesus is the word. Our Lord is going to judge this world by the word. We are to receive the Word of God with all readiness of mind. We are not to add to it. We're not to take away from it. We are not to go beyond it. And it is not of any private interpretation. And we err when we do not know the Scriptures. We are to desire God's Word. Study it. Know it. Meditate upon it. Memorize it. Search it. Obey it. Listen to it. Let it dwell in us richly. Hide it in our heart. Believe it. Speak it. Teach it. Preach it. Live by it, praise it, remember it, trust it, keep it, rejoice it, and grow by it. Whoop! In the Bible, we get the heart, mind, and will of God. Its great theme is the Lord Jesus Christ. Is it any wonder that Abraham Lincoln said in regards for this great book, I have this to say, it is the best gift God has given to man. All the good Savior gave to the world was communicated through this book. Ronald Reagan said, inside the Bible's pages lie all the answers to all of the problems man has ever known. It is my firm belief that enduring values presented in its pages have a great meaning for each of us and for our nation. The Bible can touch our hearts, order our minds, and refresh our souls. Now, if you believe that introduction I just gave you, then you have to admit that the Bible is necessary for you to thrive in your Christian life. But have you spent time in the Word of God? Are you really taking time in the Bible? Are you reading, studying, meditating, memorizing? Oh, we know the places to say amen, but are we in the Word of God? Are you reading the Bible just to have a clear conscience that you actually read it? Or are you reading the Bible to hear from God? Do you read it until you've heard from God? Not talking about an audible voice. Talking about the Spirit of God communicating His Word into your heart. You see, it's not about the quantity you read. It's about the quality. I could give you man's checklist and I could say this is what you need to do. You need to read X amount of chapters a day or you need to spend this much amount of time in the Word of God a day. That's not the answer. The answer is, are you getting anything out of God's Word? You may be wondering, well, how do I make sure that my time in the Bible is fruitful? Well, to begin with, you must be born again. You must be a child of God. You must have the Spirit of God indwelling you. If you're not saved, then outside of this book leading you to your need of Christ, you're not going to get very far. The reason for this is, this is a spiritual book. And spiritual things are spiritually discerned. And it is the Spirit of God that guides us into truth. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. It's a Spirit-inspired book. Without the Spirit of God, you're not going to grow beyond your need of Christ. 
2 Corinthians 13, 14 through 17, it's speaking about those in the Old Testament that didn't understand what was being said. And now, in, in that day when Paul was preaching, he said, even now, when the Old Testament is read, there's a veil upon their minds. That's what it says. But their minds were blinded, for until this day there remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament. Which veil is done away in Christ? But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Without the Spirit of God to guide you, your mind is blinded. There is a veil upon your heart. But once your heart turns to Christ for salvation, then the Lord removes the veil. We receive understanding because the Spirit of the Lord indwells us and where the Spirit is, there is liberty. So first, you must be in Christ to get to the hid treasures in God's Word. Once you are in Christ, a desire begins to develop for the Word of God in your life. 1 Peter 2, 2 and 3 says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. You see, one of the indications that someone is in Christ is there is a desire for the milk of the Word. Have you ever been around a hungry newborn? Do they let you know that they're hungry? Ah! Man, they scream their full head off until they get that, satis- they get that satisfied. You see, you ought to have a desire. There ought to be a desire in every child of God to have the milk of God's Word. Hopefully to move on to the meat of God's Word. Notice verse 10 again here. It says, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. You see, for the child of God, the Word of God is more desirable than all the riches in this world. The Bible says in Psalm 119.72, For the law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Psalm 119.127, Therefore I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Proverbs chapter 8, verses 10 and 11, Receive my instruction and not silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. Someone has to labor for the riches of this world. You make the time to labor. You invest your resources into the equipment to mine and to dig Whatever the endeavor is, you put yourself to that. And likewise, if you're going to thrive in the Christian life, you must labor in the Word of God. Labor. Work. Take the time. Put forth the effort. Search it. Dig in it. Invest in it. Matthew 13, 44 through 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in a field, 
the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he hath found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. We see in verse 10 that not only is the Word of God to be desired above the riches of this world, but we see that the Word of God is sweeter than honey and also the honeycomb. That always makes me think of my grandmother. She, she had honey on the table and it always had the comb in the jar. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And when you got to the bottom, you chewed that comb up. Amen, that was redneck bubblegum. The Word of God is to be above all other worldly enjoyments and pleasures. We are to delight in God's Word. Psalm 119, 103, How sweet are thy, thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. We understand all this to be true. I'm speaking to people that know this. We know that riches are not to take priority over God's Word. We know that worldly pleasures, pleasures are not to take priority over God's Word. But how many times do we neglect God's Word because of these two areas? We allow our work schedules to be the excuse for why we didn't take time to be in the Word of God. I'm just so busy. I woke up late. I had to rush out the door. I'll do it later. You know you won't. You do it later. How many times do the enjoyments of this world, those things that are time wasters that I thoroughly enjoy, how many times do they rob us of spending time in God's Word? They, they choke out the Word of God in our lives. Matthew 13, 22, Jesus said, He also that received seed, speaking of the Word of God, He that received seed among the thorns is He that heareth the Word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. In other words, you're not going to thrive in your walk with God when you allow these thorns to render you unfruitful. Such things as your job, career, hobbies, television, gaming, Internet, social media, novels, binge-watching your favorite show, on and on. Don't let the Word of God be choked out in your life. Don't let the, the cares of this world, the, the jobs, the things that we have to do, don't let that choke out the Word of God. Don't slave for riches upon this earth and in the process lose the value of God's Word in your life. Listen, don't let the entertainment of this world... We're so blessed in America, aren't we? I mean, we can work our little job and then we can go home and just vegetate. We can watch TV and we can play video, video games. We can, can do these things... And all the while when something blows up in somebody's life and the pastor comes along and says, did you read your Bible? No. I was too busy. I was too busy going to work. I was too busy doing what I wanted to do. The Word of God got choked out. 
Now for you who are in Christ and you have the Spirit of God indwelling you, then you must go to the Word of God in the Spirit if you want to thrive in your Bible time. It is my personal recommendation. This is my habit. I pray Luke 24, 45. Lord, open my understanding that I might understand the Scriptures. He's the giver of the Scriptures. He's the author of the Scriptures. Therefore, there's no person better to go to to help us understand the Scriptures. Thank God for church. Thank God for Bible studies. Thank God for books and all those things. But you have the Spirit of God who will guide you in all truth. Hallelujah. It isn't enough that we read the Bible, but we must understand what it is we are reading. I wonder if John Mack's here today. I saw him yesterday at prayer meeting. Bob, maybe you can help me, brother. If I, read a, if I read a book on computer coding, I wouldn't understand what in the world I was reading. Amen. Brother Mac was talking to me one day, and I said, you are speaking Greek to me. I don't even know what you're talking about. I just turned the little buttons on and clicked the, the little things. Amen. And it works. There was some stuff that went on behind the scenes to make that happen. If somebody were to come to me and talk to me about uh, computer coding, I wouldn't understand a thing about it. I would need someone greater than my understanding in that area to help me understand. And if you want to thrive in your Bible reading, then you must go to the one that is greater than your understanding. You must go to the author of the Bible. Allow Him to guide you. Allow Him to open up your understanding. And allow Him to teach you. Charles Spurgeon wrote this, Jesus' college is the only one in which God's truth can be really learned. Other schools may teach us what is to be believed, but Christ alone can show us how to believe it. Let us sit at the feet of Jesus and by earnest prayer call in His blessed aid that our dull wits may grow brighter and our feeble understandings may receive heavenly things. Amen. You say, boy, I'd be smarter if I went to seminary. Listen, I went to the Holy Ghost University tuition paid by the blood of Christ. Hey, that's a take a lap statement right there. Amen. Woo! All right, we're not going to get fired up. It's Sunday morning. We're dignified. <laughs> Psalm 119, 18. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. So we should go to the Word of God by the Spirit of God to thrive. But when should we go to the Word of God? Well, assuming you're on a normal work schedule, meaning you're on a normal circadian, circadian rhythm, and you, you start getting tired when the sun goes down and you start waking up when the sun comes. Normal. Assuming you're on a normal schedule. I believe the Bible principle is to be in the Word of God in the morning. And if not, then I would say whenever you first wake up from sleep, if you're not on a normal work schedule. It's a scientific fact that your mind is refreshed and the sharpest in the morning. There's a reason that the phrase sleep on it has endured so long. Because things look different in the morning. Because we have slept on it, we're refreshed, we're sharper, and now maybe we're not so quick to react in the flesh. <laughs> Amen. Sleep on it. And listen, give God your best. When are you at your best? When you're rested. Because as our day wears on, there's distractions. There's stresses. Work issues. Relationships that have to be dealt with. Maybe not so much here, but back in Atlanta. Traffic. Amen. That's enough to make some of us really mad. 
children to deal with, spouses to deal with. Pray for me. I'm trying to help her along. Amen. I don't think I have to convince you that most people won't stay disciplined enough to read their Bibles right before they go to bed. Because they're, some people do, don't misunderstand me, but the majority of people, they're so exhausted from their day, they just want to unwind. And for this reason, the mind isn't as sharp. Ultimately, I would say do what works best for you. Amen. Just be sure to do it when you are sharpest. When Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God, it isn't talking about a time of day, but it is speaking of a priority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Above all else, seek the kingdom of God. But however, there's nothing wrong with making the application that the first is the first time in the morning. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then God's going to give you what you need for that day. In fact, that's what it's saying in context. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. What things? The things that he had just talked about. Food and clothing and shelter, things like that. He, he says, seek me first. When you consistently go to the Word of God first thing in the morning, you will receive from God what you need for that day. You see, listen, this is very important what I'm saying right here. Because what a lot of people do is they let their life go into a shambles, in a crisis, then they run to the Word of God. They go to the Word of God hoping to get what they need when they should have been consistent and God would have gave it to them before they went through it and they could have saved themselves a lot of problems. Preach it, preacher! When God gave manna to Israel, He did so for that day. They had to gather it in that day for it to be good for that day. Now there were special requirements when the next day was a Sabbath. But the principle was this, gather that manna in in the morning because in the heat of the day it's going to melt. And likewise, I believe the best principle and my recommendation to you for what it's worth, go to God's Word first thing in the morning before your day starts to get cluttered with life. Now, by all means, get your coffee. Whoop! I mean, you know, you want to enjoy this. Get your coffee. Hit my hand. That's where we need the organ to play, Tyler. Get yourself a cup of coffee. I personally recommend when you read your Bible, you do so with a pen and paper handy. When God impresses a verse or a thought upon your heart, write it down. Now, I'm a man. I don't want to say that you should keep a journal. Men shouldn't keep journals. Men keep chronicles. Amen. Captain's logs. Not journals. We'll let the women journal their Bible reading. Men, we're going to chronicle. And then throughout the day, you can reference what God laid upon your heart. You can bring it to your attention and you can meditate upon it. For me, it's good to jot down what the Lord impresses upon my heart that I might study it later. Just find what works best for you. Now, early in this message, I quickly listed many of the benefits of the Word of God in your life. We certainly don't have time to cover them all. Let's just take these two things that are found in our text in verse 11. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Simply put, the Word of God rewards and it warns. There are so many books out there that try to help us live a life which is pleasing to God. 
But what if there was just one book that could help you in every area of life? What if there was one book from which all those other books were drawn from? Could you imagine such a book? If only God had the foresight. Imagine a book so great that all the help books for Christians were derived from it. Imagine a book which could help you no matter your situation. Imagine if one book could show us the way of blessings and how to avoid cursing. If only such a book existed, imagine the peace that we could have. Imagine the joy that we would know. Imagine how we could walk through this life sidestepping the landmines. If only God would have given us such a book. Obviously God did, amen? Amen. The Holy Bible. God's Word to man. One book that can tell you how your marriage can be blessed. How your children should be reared. How your church should be structured. This book that tells us how we ought to handle our finances. How we ought to spend our life. How we ought to spend our day. How we ought to pray. And yet, how many are not even taking the time to be in it? How many weeks can go by and we don't even give it a thought? And maybe the only time that we hear the Word of God or read the Word of God is when the preacher reads the text before the message. How is it that we have a book which contains the heart of God? It tells us how to be right with Him, how to walk with Him, how to live for Him, how to serve Him, and yet we don't take the time to read it. You know, if Christians would just read their Bible, we would not be in the denominational nonsense that we are in in America today. How can there be so many options of teachings to choose from that say they come from the same book? And to think there are groups which aren't even Christians that are getting away with calling themselves Christians. Why? People do not read the Bible. There's always going to be fringe groups no matter what. But if we would just be in the Word of God, the influence of some of these would be far less reaching if we would just study. I don't often do this, but take the Mormon church for example. It supposedly all started when an angel named Moroni appeared to Joseph Smith in 1823 and told him where to find these ancient golden tablets from which they say the Second Testament of Christ, the Book of Mormon, came. How amazing that this religion has spread like wildfire throughout the world. When the foundation of the LDS church can be destroyed with one verse from the Bible. I'm simply saying we are in this mess because we do not know what the Bible says. Do you want to know what that one verse is? The Bible says in Galatians 1.8, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. 
and yet the whole foundation is based upon an angel coming from heaven giving another gospel. Read the Word of God! Say, boy, preacher, are you saying all them? Yes, they're wrong. Now, I feel a getting off track storm coming on. We have a book. It's God's book. He gave it for us to know Him and for us to know us. To know how to live and to reach others. We have a book which tells us why we are here, how we are to live, where to go, where not to go, how to treat others, how to structure our homes, how to behave in the workplace, both towards employer and employee, how to handle our our lives. The Bible tells us which path to walk in, the blessings contained in that path, the consequences of forsaking that path. This book warns and it rewards. Why do we forsake such a great book? As I close, I want you to listen to these words someone wrote to describe the Bible. The Bible contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Here, paradise is restored, heaven opened, and the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is its grand subject, our good, the design, and the glory of God, its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. It is given you in life, will be opened at the judgment, and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, will reward the greatest labor, and will condemn all who trifle with its sacred contents. So as we consider five to thrive, are you in God's Word? Do you desire the Bible more than fine gold? Do you desire it over the pleasures of this world? Is it sweeter than honey and the honeycomb? Are you heeding its warning? Listen, maybe you're here today and you just need to decide, I'm going to go back to the Word of God again in my life. It's been too long that it sat on the shelf. It's been too long that dust has been on its cover. I'm going to go back to God's Word. And I'm going to desire it more than what this world can give me. Maybe that's you this morning and you need to keep God's Word once again. If you're going to thrive in your walk with God, you must make the Bible a part of your everyday life. Are you thriving in the Christian life? If not, it could be you're not in the Word of God. Let's pray.